Hey guys, Jeff Francoeur here with Pure Athlete with Brad and Brett, Brett and Brad, Brad. same thing, but uh, (laughs) what a great time with Mark DeRosa today, guys. He, uh, I, I, you know, I know y'all don't know him like I do, he's my neighbor, but he, you can tell he is so passionate about what he does, whether it's with MLB Central, his kids, coaching USA, and he told us a bunch today. Well, he just kind of, uh, and he really represents what the Pure Athlete is, I mean, or who, who a Pure Athlete is, just, I mean... Went to an Ivy League school, played football and baseball, um, really had his priorities in order, really kind of kept really humble about the whole thing, and then ended up becoming an MLP player, but just uh, very inspirational. And he had some great stuff about him him and his brother, Yeah, both very talented athletically. One of them had lots of passion, the other didn't, and how the parents, you know, influenced that or didn't, and uh, I think which is really will resonate with a lot of our folks. My favorite thing is how he talked about, because we, we talk about this in the cul-de-sac all the time when we're just talking, is, you know, your kid doesn't have to play on the best team. Yeah. If your kid's 12, 13, 14, get them reps. Yep. And I yep. love what D. Rose said at the end. He said, and then when you're sevens and 18 and the dust settles, yeah. let's see where you're at. But I, I love that because it's like, I don't need to be on the A team. Get me ABs on the B yep. team and let me continue to mature. And I think a lot of parents need to understand that. He also said that he wouldn't even make his son's 14U yeah. team right now because yeah. he was look at he was a late bloomer and just you never know where the story is going to end. And it turned out okay for him. It did okay, yeah. It did okay. The other thing I thought was cool that our our audience will like is he kind of took us behind the scenes in the World Baseball yeah. Classic. Yeah. And told us what it was like, you know, leading up to managing the team and and the dynamics and all that. That I mean, for me. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. So hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Pure Athlete Podcast, a show that exists to equip young athletes, parents, and coaches as they journey through their youth sports experience. We sit down with some of your favorite athletes to hear about their most memorable moments, helpful tips, and valuable lessons from their youth sports career. In today's episode, we sit down with 15-year MLB veteran and manager of Team USA in the 2023 World Baseball Classic, Mark DeRosa. Enjoy the show. Jeff Francoeur here with Pure Athlete. Before we get to today's guest, I want to share with everyone that we have uh, our first partnership with Booster. Now, Booster is the high school sports number one athletic fundraising for teams and groups. And uh, their owner and CEO is a good buddy of mine. Go to church with him and a great guy. And instead of me telling you what it is, I'm going to bring him on. So, Chris Carneal, thanks for joining us. Jeff, thanks so much. So excited to sponsor Pure Athlete. Love your message, love your vision, love the heart and the values behind it. I'm a former college athlete. I'm a coach of my boys and my daughters as well, basketball and baseball. And our company I started 20 years ago, we work with schools, K through 12, and we serve them by raising funds. The past 20 years, we've raised schools, teams, and groups over $600 million, and we want to continue to serve more schools. So if you're interested in hearing how we can come to your sports team, uh, your school, or your group, uh, ChooseBooster.com. Again, go to ChooseBooster.com. Chris, thanks for being a part of this. A big supporter of youth athletics, high school athletics, and we're looking forward to a good partnership with you, man. Absolutely, love what you guys are doing. Look forward to serving and uh, helping schools raise funds. 
Welcome back to Pure Athlete. I'm Jeff Francoeur along with Britt Lee and Brad Williams. And guys, I'm excited today to introduce my next door neighbor, a guy that uh, I get to swim in his pool sometimes so I don't have to build, <laughs> build my own pool, but had an incredible career, 16 years. My favorite is he played quarterback at the University of Penn, but uh, two-way star, and did a great job with uh, Team USA this year, managing the World Baseball Classic. Mark DeRosa, Dero, thanks for coming on, buddy. What an intro. Yeah, Jeff, honestly, it is about time that you break ground on your own pool. <laughs> Certainly appreciate that instead of using me and coming over. But no, great to be with you guys. Oh, thank you. But before we get going into just some youth sports and your journey, talk to us about this is a fun time in baseball, man. You got the playoffs coming up. What are some of the storylines you're looking forward to in the next uh, two, three weeks? I mean, obviously, you know, my son's 13 years old, and I always say to him every morning when we're at breakfast, I always say to him, I said, do you realize kind of the generation you've been born into of this Braves team? You're going to have an amazing team for the next decade, 15 years that you get to watch. And you could grab any superstar you want from Acuna on down the line to Riley. So obviously living in Atlanta the last 25 years, following what they do, I'm hugely invested in their success. Uh, the Orioles have been the story for me in the American league. Sometimes it's, you know, we hate the, the, the saying ahead of schedule, but I think when you looked at their roster coming into spring training and then look at the ALE standings right now, I don't think anybody would have put the Orioles as having the best record in the American league. So to watch them do what they've done has been pretty impressive. Um, and then I guess the racing for the for the last wild card spots right now in both the American and National League. That's what your your you know your focus goes to every night. Kind of who's going to sneak in in the American League with the Rangers and Mariners and Blue Jays. Uh, and on the flip side, it seems like the teams in the National League are are just bopping each other around on a nightly basis. Yeah, thank you. Well, I got to ask you before we get going because uh, I, I got to give you some pub. What is your favorite football moment at Bergen Catholic? Jeff, I don't think it's my favorite football moment. I think it's my favorite sports moment of my life. Let's I don't go. care what I did in the big leagues. 1992 state championship football game my senior year. Still talked about to this day. <laughs> it was just well, honestly one of those special kind of knew it as, as it was taking place. We were number one in the state, playing the number two team in the state at the time was Paramus Catholic. Um, it was the only time in my life I ever walked out on a field and kind of looked at the stands and knew everyone that I ever knew and cared about at that point was at that game. It was moved to a neutral site to accommodate everybody wanting to come. It had a big, huge buildup, two teams that didn't like each other. And uh, it's the only time I said, like, I walked down a field and was like, losing is not an option. I'll never, I'll, I'll, I'll wear this the rest of my life if I lose this game. So, yeah, to stand up and have that, I, I, that catapulted me to a, mentally a lot of different things. I played well in that game and kind of built off it, you know, high school football, what that means. Oh, gosh, yeah. I've heard about Bergen Catholic well, for years, guys. Is there, is there a debate? <laughs> Is there a debate between the Bergen Catholic team versus the Parkview State Championship team? We'd have to break down some film and really <laughs> dig into that. Well, one. It's a push. Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> no one's going to win that I argument. Say, 
I just stay away from Jeff's side. That was the difference. <laughs> you, you know, at some I wouldn't go to him. He'd be like Deion Sanders was for the Cowboys. They'd put that guy on an island. No. They'd try and rove him around. It wouldn't work. You'd be too prideful. One time you'd say, I want to burn him, and that's when you'd get burnt. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, digging in, Mark, you know, first off, we want to ask, you got two beautiful kids. Gabby's a sophomore at Auburn. Brooks is in eighth grade playing baseball. What's the difference as you coach your kids today in youth sports compared to when you grew up and your dad coached you and your brothers? Yeah, I think for me, um, I played all three sports as a kid, and my dad's passion was rooted in baseball. So when it came to football and basketball season, he played them as a kid, but he wasn't as invested. So he kind of let me do my thing as far as He just wanted me to be happy. He wanted me to play hard, be accountable. All the things that, you know, he would teach you to be a good person in general. Uh, Be a great teammate. But he kind of left me alone in those two sports. And he was tough. Baseball, like I said, it was his love. He was a coach. Um, He expected you to do things fundamentally right. He had me watch the game a lot different than I think a lot of kids at that time watched games. I, I just didn't watch it for pure entertainment. We were, he was asking what, what I thought the pitcher was going to throw in certain counts, uh, reading the body language of guys on base, trying to pick up little nuances of the game that I, he felt would help me. Uh, Jeff, coaching my kids today, I try and attack it this pretty much the same way. I just I feel like I'm a little soft, softer, a little more soft-spoken with my son when it comes to baseball because it's such a failure-based sport. Um, and I never felt like, I never sat there and told my dad that him coming at me hard or the ride home, like, it didn't it, it didn't impact me. I just didn't think it helped. I knew he wanted great for me. He'd always, he'd always end every car ride home. Honestly, the same way, whether he was, we had a great game and we were enjoying it, or he was going over what he didn't think I did well, he would always say, listen, the reason I'm rough on you in this sport is because I see something special in you. And that's kind of what I took out of the car, that he believed in me. So I I think the biggest thing with my kids that I coach, I want to instill like a little bit more soft-spoken approach than maybe my father took with me, but but being brutally honest in that in that kind of soft-spoken nature. I want them to understand that eventually it has to be their passion. And if it's not, that's okay, but you'll never take this where you want to take it because you're not willing to do when no one's watching what we were willing to do because we loved it. Hey, Mark, you just uh, you talked about you played three sports growing up. Uh, and, you know, the inertia of sports today is is kids don't think they can do that. If you were playing today, do you think in, in, in our sports culture today, could, could you have done that in today's world? Would you have done that? And, and then after that, we want you to kind of walk us through your youth sports journey. But if, if you'll speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, would, I would challenge every kid out there. The, the, the high school coach or – Grammar school, middle school coach can't tell you what or when, how to do things. I'm so, I'm so, I was the quarterback of my high school football team and I put as much stock into playing shortstop on, on the baseball team. And I was big on, I'll do my best to be at certain things, but whatever was in season, that's, that's where my main focus was. 
and I, I, I don't think there should be a coach alive that wouldn't want multi-sport guys coming to their team. I, I, I just think they're built different. I know my son only plays baseball. We shoot hoops in the backyard. My, my wife fought me uh, vehemently, vehemently on, on the football aspect and kind of, you know, stopped worrying about him wanting to get hit. So I backed up on that. Um, that see but, Mark Mark got softer as he's gotten older. If, I, <laughs> again, again, if he was crying to play, he would be playing. I always kind of base it off what they're telling me they want to do, or you know, at that point. But yeah, that that was the biggest thing for me. I I, I always feel like the best players should play. So if we got two kids playing high school baseball at that time, but they're they're two of our best players on the football team. Well, when that season's up and they come over. They, they shouldn't be hampered by that. I always, and I always felt it helped me in baseball when I signed with the Braves because even in college I played both. And that was super difficult to try and pull off because I was going, playing a college baseball game at like 3 in the afternoon, eating, and then going to football practice at 7.30 at night. That, that was a whole whirlwind. But I felt like when I gave myself to one sport, I got way better, way quicker, and also had the built-in toughness of going through football, going through hoops, and all that stuff that comes with it. Mark, tell us about Bergen Catholic. How'd you end up there as a kid? Was it something that your family kind of looked at, at you going there? It's got a great reputation. I mean, obviously, it's a great athletic institution and academic, but how'd you end up there? Yeah, I come from a really small town in New Jersey, kind of a group one high school. My brother went there. He's six years older than me. Um, and could have went there and played at a much earlier, you know, probably as a freshman or a sophomore played pretty much done what I wanted at that school. But if you wanted to find out kind of who you are, who you were as a high school athlete and student, then you want to try your hand at going to Bergen, seeing where, where, where you kind of stacked up with all the great players in the County. And I think that was the beauty of it. So there was, a, there was a guy who had left our town probably six or seven years prior to me. His name was Thomas Carney. He was a running back in our, you know, in our youth program. He was a year, year, same year as my older brother. And I watched him go to Bergen, have a very successful career, go on to play at Yale, go on to the business world and do, do very well. And I just felt like, you know, my parents were like, what an opportunity to see where you kind of stack up. You could always come back, even though you probably won't, uh, and go see where you fall. And it was funny, freshman year football, uh, eight kids were at quarterback. Now, where at my town, it'd be one or two, and you knew that the other kid wasn't going to play. So it's like when you see eight kids from all over this, you know, county, Bergen County, kind of run to one spot, you start questioning kind of where, you, where you're going to fit in here. Yeah, but you let them know eventually where you're going to fit in, right? <laughs> I, Jeff, I never, you know, I never doubted, but I, I was a late bloomer size-wise. I knew I could throw. Um, yeah, I always felt like if given the opportunity, I was going to I was gonna win you over. So I just kind of waited my turn. Three out of the eight kids didn't even know how to take a snap. You know, the other five you feel like you throw and spin the football better. So I knew as a matter of time, like give it two or three practices and that's kind of what happened. 
Speaking real quick though, the, I know your your obviously your mom and dad were a huge part of your yeah. childhood. How how was that? You know, I know you talked about your dad coaching in baseball, but you know they just take you to practice day in and day out. You, your brothers, all that. Listen, I lost my dad in 2012. Not a day goes by I don't think about him. He was my best friend. I'm same with you and and your father, Jeff. This man, we were very similar. That just, just, yeah, I, I, he grinded. I wish he would have enjoyed my career a little bit more than, than, than he did. He grinded really hard with me every night. I didn't realize how hard he grinded my mom and they kept it pretty, pretty hidden. <laughs> he took every at bat with me down the basement. He was um, the coolest guy I know. He was, he wanted me to be a great teammate to understand how I, how I added value to a team to understand like br- brutal truth, where you stand at that moment in time. He'd tell me if I was doing great. He'd tell me if I was doing bad, what I had to work on, but he always, he always ended it positive and he always had time for me. And he, he never missed a game. Like he didn't miss, he didn't miss a high school game without question. He didn't miss it. He, I went to Penn He'd drive an hour and 45 from our house pretty much every day. I don't think he missed a college game unless we were real deep on the road. And then when I went to Cape Cod, that's a six-hour drive from New Jersey. And he did that pretty much daily to watch me play. I mean, he just had a a love for the game of baseball. And my mom was the complete opposite. She was all she would ask the same question every time I saw her. It didn't matter if I was coming off a high school field, college field, or 10 years in the big leagues. She'd go, are you happy? Does this still make you happy? And I'm like, yeah. I got 10 <laughs> years in the big leagues. I'm happy, Mom. <laughs> I'm like, getting right. paid. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, uh, did you know, in, you and your dad, I mean, did you have a goal to play in the big leagues early on, or when did that come about? And, and when did, when did you realize that that could happen? He always kind of, you know, kept always saying like, Hey, you move, you move the right way. You see the game better than, than the people around you like stay with this game because, uh, and Jeff knows this in high school, at least in New Jersey. I mean, we play what 22, 23 games. No, no one's there, but your parents, uh, no one even knows you're doing it. Half the time it's snowing. And the notoriety I received as a high school kid was all football-based. So you keep getting pumped up at a big-time school, and you're seeing all these big-time recruiters come in. And I wasn't a big guy. I was 6'1", 170 my senior year. So I knew I wasn't going big-time football. But I had a few D1 offers and felt like I could really play that sport. Like, felt like it came came easy. I read defense as well. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being in a huddle. I loved the fight. I I always felt like the true measure of a man is is where putting the pads on and getting in that huddle and and grinding it out with your boys on on Friday and Saturday night. So I I always had like a real love for football. My dad was was the big one with baseball. He's like, I do not want you to give this up. You move good at short. You got an arm. Like he just saw, he saw what a projectable he thought I could become. So in college, when, when I made my decision, I was prepared to take a couple scholarships that maybe I didn't want to take. So my parents wouldn't have to pay a dime. And my dad was like, no, I want you to, I want you to go 
kind of all-encompassing. I want you to go to Penn. I want you to get the best education. I want you to play football. You get to have your fun, but I want you to keep grinding out baseball too. So it was all, it was a backup plan to everything. It was a backup plan. Man, man, maybe I get a practice squad look if I'm decent in football. Maybe I get drafted. If I, neither happens, I'll go into the city and work in finance with my other college buddies. So it was a, kind of the perfect school for me at the time. But at no point did I know I was even getting drafted and or could hang baseball-wise until I went to Cape Cod. And that was in 95 after my sophomore year. I went up there and uh, Troy Gloss was the third baseman of our team. And he got called to Team USA. So I got a chance. They didn't replace him. I got a chance. I was going to be a utility guy. I got a chance to play. And I played really well. And... You know, at the time, that's 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 the league, right? I'm facing all these all-American pitchers, and I'm doing well. And I kind of just was, you know, every night getting more confident. Then that just changed the mindset. After that was over, I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Speaking of mindset, because I know we've talked about this before, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it. You know, you had a certain mindset that got you where you were. If you're a parent watching this, and you talked about your passion – but your, your kid might be good, but they might not have the drive that you have. How do you balance that from, from pushing your kid, but also having a healthy relationship where it doesn't become this, you know, you're yelling at your kid all the time? Yeah, I think you got to find other things that you have in common with your kid. And I, I, Jeff, we know the grind. It's easy for me. Like the last thing I wanted to do when I came home from playing a game is relive the game 19 different ways. I wanted to remove myself from it. So I'm very, very privy to like that when we get in the car. I just want him to be a great teammate, play hard, be fundamentally sound. That's it's all, all, all I tell him. You can't control the result. Like all the things that I struggled with, I used to carry my first year in pro ball, I carried a calculator in my back pocket to figure out my batting average on the bus. I had a teammate take it and smash it. Corey Pointer, I'll never forget his name. He got traded in a Denny Nagel trade. And he goes, dude, you're going to go 0 for 4 so many times. This will kill you. Like, I mean, I was so analytical. And so so I try and attack him from a completely different mindset. I tell him all the time, I could want this for you. But if you don't, if you, if this is not something you're truly passionate about, if you're not willing to go hit when I'm not looking, if you're not like throwing a ball against the wall and working on your hands, um, all the little things that I felt like I was, I was enamored with, with being a professional athlete as a kid. That's, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And no one was going to tell me different. And I was stacking up decent against every competition I came up against. So I kind of I kind of take it from that mode. My daughter was a really super super talented volleyball player. Like her body moved right. She got into it late, but she 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 was a talented girl. She had soft hands. She got above the she did a lot of things where I was trying to build her up to get her to believe that she I'm like, "Gab, you you know, you're really good at this." And I remember before a Buford like state semifinal games, they came running out and I, you know, I went like beast mode from the stand <laughs> looking at her, trying to make eye contact. Like I want this one. 
Like fight, fight to the death for me <laughs> on this one. And she gave me like the go sit down. <laughs> like I'm deaf. Ah, okay. Right. Then I'll just I'll go sit down then. <laughs> but with my son, I tell him the same thing. When it becomes your passion, and you you'll know it like truly. Then you'll fall in love with, with trying to find ways to get better. And listen, there's guys, we played with them. There's guys who get to the big leagues on sheer ability that don't truly love the game, but they're rare. Most of the guys up there are, you know, grinding for that little inch. Well, Mark, going back to Penn, I mean, you just kind of, you kind of glossed over it, but it, it's so dang impressive that you're playing two sports and at Ivy League school you're part of the Wharton Business School, and you talk about all of them just kind of being your backup plan. But take us through, you talked a little bit about kind of managing football and baseball, but how did you manage the class load along with playing two sports and just not get burned out of the whole thing? But could you take us through kind of a daily day in the life of Mark DeRosa? Oh, I, at, I can. Yeah. He, he he left tickets for a guy to do his classwork for <laughs> well, him. I mean, okay. well, okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give him. Like, like this guy, that's, like, that's the one thing. I love Mark, and he's my neighbor. I look at him like, that's not an Ivy Leaguer. I just can't <laughs> get to it. Hey, I'll tell you the truth. My father said that to me, too, about the classroom. He's like, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. So what I would do. What I would do initially is go to my teacher's office hours, like right out of the gate and be like, this is what I'm dealing with, right? This I'm playing football and baseball and I'm trying to accomplish all these great things. And I know you're going to maybe, you know, roll your eyes at me or whatever, because you think the academics is more important. I mean, we're dealing with people that are, when they hand you the textbook, they wrote it. So I was like, <laughs> oh my, all right, I got it. And I'm like, what do I need to do to like to pass your class? <laughs> to pass your class, basically. And most of them, too, to a professor, most of them would say, if you show up every day and you sit in the first row, and I know you're present and I know you're here working, I'll pass you. You won't fail the class. And then whatever happens on the midterms and finals. Because I saw so many of my buddies that were so my center was a Rhodes Scholar. For him to have to go to class, what it was, he didn't need to. He showed up midterm, nailed it, final, nailed it, and hung out. I couldn't do that. Like you lost me second class. Where I'm like, huh? Where are we going now? So we had tutors, but I went to every class. I I would wake up at seven in the morning, drive, take my bike down to the football offices, watch film for about two hours with the quarterback coach. Then I did go into campus. I'd set my my classes from about 9.30 to 12.30, 1 o'clock. Get done. Go get lunch. Go down to the baseball stadium if we had a game that day, like a midweek game against like Delaware or something. Play that game. Go shower. Eat at the um, cafeteria that was connected to Franklin Field. Then go in, put my football pads, and go out from 8 to 10. And, and and do football practice Good then grief. go home you think i'm studying after that <laughs> no jeff what do we do we got 
go grab something to drink or go to uh, come on yeah no i hear you i mean be, you're you're talking to a guy who didn't take his book bag out of his car his senior year all right <laughs> did, did you get the ivy ivy looks uh jeff i got a couple letters from harvard and yale yeah. back in the day and I, and I let him know it just wasn't in the cars <laughs> hey mark i'm gonna shift gears for a minute and go back to high school and and growing up and so on and so forth and i'm curious when you were playing football or you were playing basketball, were you still doing baseball stuff at the same time, or did no. you hang it up during all seasons? Yeah. I first baseball I throw was the first day of practice. Now, I, whatever was happening, I finally, my junior year before my junior year, gave up basketball because I was like, all right, I, my parents were like, a lot coming up here I, I went to school about an hour away from 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 my town so it was just like I, I needed a, I needed a breather so yeah but no when it was football season glove and bat stayed in the uh stayed in the closet which I love that so how do you fight against coaches and parents and even at, at he's an athletic director you know how do you fight against these people that no you got to be doing this you got to do you know, you got to play a Friday night football game and you got to go to perfect game at Lake Point on Saturday. Is that worth it? I mean, I honestly, think you're not that... getting the best version of the kid. Like that, that's my biggest thing. I want you mentally when, when first day of baseball practice shows up that you're excited to, to thrust yourself into this game. Like I feel when you're trying to do both, like I always felt like baseball when I would, when I would do those football practices at night, that was like, you know, the fall practices, we do a little mock-ups. I, I always felt like they weren't getting the best of me because my focus was was always on baseball because it was baseball season. So I tell our kids, I have I have a great team, a rising 14U team. I tell them, don't, all the football kids, I don't want to see you. I mean, if you want to show up once in a while just to say hi to the guys, and let, my expectations are zero for you in the fall. Uh I just think that's unfair and that not the way I would want I would have wanted to have been treated. That would have impacted my entire life. So do you look at it too though, not just from a coach but from a dad cuz I know how my dad protected me from that kind of stuff. Is that I mean is that the parents responsibility to protect their kids from that? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also the co coach understanding that being a multi-sport guy, uh, commitment to one commitment to whatever is currently happening at that moment is more important than him coming throwing a side in October for you and then you're going to shut down anyway after after two fall tournaments I don't like I'm not a big youth proponent of fall baseball we're dealing with it right now we're looking at playing in a couple tournaments it's like you're going to ramp these 14 u kids arms up to pitch in a random fall tournament at perfect game on a Sunday series just just for three games and then we'll see you in three months What's the point? Mm. Yeah, I agree totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you talk about injuries. Yep. No, so, you know, when, when you think about as you got to pro ball, okay, you got drafted by the Braves, you know, and that whole deal, did, did you have a tough time leaving football behind at all, even though it was college? Or, or again, did you just look forward and go? I regret leaving because I had two years of eligibility left and I would have liked to yeah. have played and seen what happened, like, numbers-wise. I, I mean, I just loved it. Um, but no, it was a pretty, for me, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, Dayton Moore, who you know well, 
came into into our house. I mean, perfect kind of guy to walk into the DeRosa household at that point. He hit it off with my mom and dad right away. Um, fed him some bogus line about you don't make your money now, you make it in the big leagues. <laughs> Told me the same yeah. line. <laughs> same garbage. But, hey, I'd like a little bit now so at least I can live <laughs> in the minor leagues. But my dad had had this line. He's like, the buildings aren't going to fall down. There's always going to be college to go to. Like, if your dream is to play in the big leagues, they're they're making a decent investment in you. They're going to let you fail once or twice. I think you go get it. So it was kind of kind of. I knew I knew that I was going pretty quick. Yeah. This this past year, you get the chance to manage Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. I know you. We talked the night when you found out you'd called me. I was on the way home from a Braves game, but. Talk about that. I mean, managing Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. It was the most – listen, we're, both of us are very similar, like you said. Um, it took me a minute. When when they offered me the job – I went into, into that interview process, like, really wanting this. So I let it be known that, like, man, I'm really going to put my heart and soul into this. I want, I want to give it a crack. It, it just – kind of set up perfect to, to what I was thinking at the time. But I knew I had, when they named me, I knew I had three months to kind of downshift. So all I did in those three months was kind of wrap my head around the fact that A, I, I've never managed anything, like truly managed. And a couple people helped me. A couple people without even realizing said a few things that kind of like set me off. I knew kind of what I wanted to do, what kind of environment I wanted to create, what kind of energy I wanted. I mean, coming from all the clubhouses we come from, you kind of know who's, you know, Jeff, when you want to get to the yard, you get to the yard a half hour earlier than normal because the guys are so cool. So I wanted to create that environment. The GM of the St. Louis Cardinals, I spoke to him, uh, John Mosellock at the time, and he said, remember what you liked as a player and just do that. And that kind of like resonated with me, right? Because we had a great feel for it. And then... Perry Manazian, who's the GM of the Angels, said to me, who are you going to follow? Like, you had Bobby, you had Lou Pinella, you played for Tony La Russa. Like, like who are you going to emulate? And I said, man, I, don't, I really don't want to emulate any of them. I want to emulate myself. And he goes, exactly. Just do what you think is right. This is, and I'm telling you, I, I have no regrets I left with no regrets, like moves I've made, lineups, any of that. And I, I wanted to create an environment of just like energy and brutal truth with these guys. And the hot hand was going to play and we were going to go out and have a ton of fun. And I think we accomplished that. I've never been more nervous in my life than like my wedding day and then getting up and addressing that, that room. That was a big room. When, I, you, know, when you stand up and you got to motivate them. Because you've been a part of it, right? It's just all these superstars get in a room and it's good, there's going to be a feeling out process and who's the alpha male in the room and who do we follow, but we're all great. And are we really trying to win this thing? Are we not? I want to like immediately end that. So I like came at them a lot hotter than I think they were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quick question for you too, though, because I, I stuck up for you a lot. The, the pitching 
it's tough, man. Oh, it's a no-win situation. You know, you can only throw this guy this day, this many pitches. If he gets up, he's got to come in. I know all the crap you dealt with. How do you think you change that? How do you make it better so you're not dealing with it? Or is it just the only time you can do it and it is what it is? If it's the only time you can do it, you're never going to get these teams that invest all this money in these pitchers to truly give them up and not not worry. Those three months leading up to that, Jeff, and you know this, I called every guy that was on that roster multiple times to try and build a relationship with them. I called every pitcher and bullpen guy to try and understand where they would be at at that given time, what they think they thought they would need. Then I went down to pitching coaches, managers, GMs. All I did was just try and create this where everyone showed up on that first day, they were all comfortable. But in doing that, I almost gave so much power, which we had to, to the parent club. That like I knew that if Brady Singer went in a game, that he had to that I had to honor Kansas City and he had to get to a pitch count regardless of score. I knew that like once we got to Miami, I threw that all out the window. But there was like, if Ryan Presley pitches on Monday and he goes north at 20 pitches, then Tuesday and Wednesday, he's down. He can't come back until Thursday. So there was this constant staying up late. BMAC helped me immensely. Andy Pettit helped me immensely. Pat O'Shea from the Dodgers analytics department helped me immensely. And we went over every possible scenario that could happen from a line drive off the pitcher's shoe, first pitch of the game. And how we could try and get through these games and honor all these teams and still win. So, it's hard. We cast a wide net. I spoke to everyone. Verlander, Garrett Cole, Kershaw. Uh, then we went to you know down to Gallon, Cease, Strider. I called the Braves. Freed, Strider. All of them. We, I mean... I had to make tough decisions. I wanted to just sit there and be like, I'm looking for a baseball. Be like, all right, Max, your turn. All right, Garrett, your turn. Like, why am I making tough moves here? But that's the way it's built at that time. I I, I don't know what the answer is, Jeff. Like, could you do it all-star break and, like, take two weeks off and create this extravaganza? But then, you know, how does that impact the regular season? I know this. It's real. I, I We went from playing in Arizona to those first game against Venezuela in Miami, there were 70,000 people there and it was so loud. And I, I turned to Mac and I was like, man, I didn't know we signed up for world series games. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're in it. There's nowhere to run. <laughs> we're doing it. It was, it was really fun. It was really fun to watch as a fan. Hey, I'm curious, Mark, I know you get asked this all the time, but does it give you a bigger appetite for managing? Is that, is that in the future? Well, you said he's got a really good 14U team coming up, though. You don't want to leave that behind, though, right? We have a absolutely stacked 14U <laughs> team. I'll tell you what, if you manage in the big leagues, I'll take over that team if I can swim in the pool six times a year. Yeah, deal and deal. And you're welcome because we got fire all up and down that lineup. But we got great kids. That's the thing. With putting that team together, great families. And when I say great families, I just say – Families that like love being at the yard, cheering for their team, classy, know they got talented kids and, and, and just want what's best for them. I think that we've surrounded ourselves with just a, a great group. We don't chase wins. We chase development and teamwork and all this stuff. And through that comes a lot of winning. 
What was the original question? Uh, I know I went off on a four. Would you give? I'll, st- I'll steal your question again, Britt. Would you give up all that if uh, if there was an opportunity to manage, you know, at the big league level? Yeah, it's it. it to be honest with you, it certainly like gave me an appetite to do it. And the only reason I say that is like being in the media side, and Jeff's the same way. You know, you think you have an idea of what's going on like boots on the ground in the clubhouse, like in the fight, doing it again. But as soon as that game starts and being behind the scenes and, and, and kind of feeling that energy and that competitive fire come back, I was like, wow, man, I miss this. I miss Yeah, nothing's given me this feeling in a while. So, yeah. And you think, and to be honest with you, the only reason you cut, you want to do it is because you feel like you can make a difference. That's the biggest thing, getting, getting a, a team that, to buy in, to, to plan for each other and playing hard and caring about the fundamentals and caring about, you know, having honest conversations with each other. That, that's the great stuff. Like I watch on a nightly basis, the current game, there's a super, the talent is just off the charts, what these guys are able to do. But there's not a lot of fundamentally sound teams currently playing. Um, and that's the stuff like on field two and spring training that I, that I lived for. So yeah, they, I definitely think it's interesting. But my son and his situation and all that kind of definitely plays in because like we talked about earlier, my, my dad was present and I never forgot it. And it, you know, I didn't think it mattered at the time, but now that I'm 48 years old and he's not around, I know it mattered. Wow, that's awesome. Mark, finishing up here, um, what do you think, when when you look back at Little League, high school, even pros, who was one of the most impactful coaches you had and why? Wow. There's a couple. There's a couple that hit me. My, my high school football coach, Fred Stangle, kind of an institution, he was just tough. If you won him over and he believed in you, I just, I don't know. He just, he just resonated with me. I wanted to prove I could play for him at that level, at that time, on that stage, and, and perform and kind of earn his respect. I still see him to this day, and and uh, that kind of catapulted me. That mindset of it sounds terrible. I mean, Jeff, I don't know if you can attest to this. To think a high school could do that, but that's kind of the pedestal that Bergen was on. Oh yeah, and still on. And it's like, man, if I could do that here, then I can go on and and survive Penn and start there and do well I just kept all just I just kept stacking confidence like his inner confidence on top of myself I couldn't agree more I remember at Parkview I never missed a varsity football game from six years old on me and my dad every Friday night so when I finally broke through and played my sophomore years it was like the big leagues like you felt like you're on the best stage and I actually think when I got to the minor leagues it was easier because I felt like I'd already played at that level I felt you know? the same thing. I remember an instructional league, my first instructional league with the Braves. I don't think they do it anymore, but like there was like seven shortstops that ran out. We had each played our season, right? I played short season Eugene in 96, go to the 96 instructional league. And there's like seven guys who trot out to short. And I, I said, they didn't play in the 1992 state championship. <laughs> but they didn't do it. So like, they're going to have to kill me to get me off this field. And I don't think these guys are going to do that. And then I was a good judge of talent. Don't get me wrong. When Raphael Furcal burst on the scene, I called my dad 
that day, I said, we got problems. <laughs> <laughs> we got massive issues. He's like, what? I'm like, there's this kid from Myrtle Beach, A-Ball. I can't do what he does. Bobby's is salivating in the dugout over. I said, we're in trouble. We're a utility guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Pretty, pretty good utility you know, guy career. Finishing up, last couple questions, Mark. We appreciate you taking time today, but... If you could, there's young athletes watching this video. What's your advice to them about their their youth sports journey? Yeah, I think I think it's a, a a couple things. I think number one, stop worrying about like any type of ranking or worrying about where you stand as an 11, 12, 13. You, I, I feel like it puts way too much pressure. You have no idea. I wouldn't have made the team. My that I coach my kids team. I wouldn't have made that team as a 12, 13 year old. And I played 15 years in the big leagues. Everybody comes at different times. I, I would say for fall in love with being a great teammate, fall in love with competing, want to win. I always said like, I'm not, I don't wake up at five in the morning, drive to Lake point to like not post. That's why I, I tell the kids like, you should want, in a very respectful, classy way, when we walk in this facility, you should turn heads. You should want to turn heads. You should want people to whisper, oh, that team's good, or you should see that shortstop. Or I, I want competitive fight, but I also want to keep it in perspective. No one cares if you win the you know, Gwinnett County Sunday Series, whatever you want to call it. Just compete, get better, want to play against good competition, be a good coach of yourself, understand what you, how you add value to a team. I try, and, I try and treat them very much the way I treated teammates I had in the minor leagues and big leagues. I really do. They're, and they're very receptive to it. They are so much bigger, stronger, faster. I hate saying that because we had some good kids when I was – but on the whole – we have kids at 13, 14 years old doing things that I, I didn't do to my senior year in high school. So just protect, protect that mindset. So as far as you've, you've talked a little bit about your parents and the job they did, and, and you've talked about your own parenting, you know, as we finish up here, also speak to parents. What, what's one thing you would want to leave parents with, one piece of advice? Make sure, I would say to the parents, make sure that your child, boy or girl, whatever, is passionate about what they're doing. I get it. You want to you want to push them in that direction, or or force them to play a sport and and be in a team atmosphere, I, competitive. I feel like it helps in all facets of life. I really do. But there has to be an inner fire, and in, in you you won't create that for them. I don't think if you keep pushing, 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 you'll go the other way. My older brother was a test case on this. He was as, as athletic as I was, faster, better hitter in high school than I was, but it wasn't his love. He didn't love it. And I felt like eventually I shared a room with him until he went to college. I felt like eventually he would give it up and he did. And he was happy the day he did where, where for myself, that was never even in, in my thoughts in the cards. So Eventually, it's about the kid. I think you just put them in an environment. And I'll say this about travel baseball. Everyone wants to be on a winning team. I get, I get that. But if you're going to be on a winning team and not, and not get a chance to have ABs at a young age, it means nothing. So I hate the whole idea of, 
oh, he's on the B team, the C team, the D team. Well, I don't care. Is, is he getting ABs and is he being coached the proper way and, and being taught the fundamentals and how to be a good teammate and how to add value to a team? If that's the case, we'll figure it out when the dust settles at 17, 18 years old. I love that, man. Final question. Fourth and goal, one second left. You're at the eight-yard line, Bergen Catholic, state championship. What play you calling? Back in high school? Yeah, give me a play. What are you back, doing? Back, yeah, probably back in high school, I'm pr- I'm probably calling. We ran a, some version of a Delaware wing tee. I'm probably calling some play action to my tight end and probably a crosser backside. A little bullet right yeah. in the end zone? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was my go-to guy, my tight end. I had, I had Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'll tell you what, Mark. I can't thank you enough, man, for taking time no, today and great. joining us, awesome. man. I I knew you'd be awesome. You yes, you have such a love for the game, but you have love to coach your kids. And I know as your neighbor, man, I respect the heck out of it. And it's fun being able to to have these conversations with you too. So thanks for sharing with us, and uh, we appreciate you, man. Thanks so much, Mark. No, thanks, thanks for Mark. having me. This is great. It's not that's you know it's not easy. It's not easy with the parents because. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough situation there, but you just try and be honest with them and, and kind of build the kids up and let them, let them find their way and enjoy it and fall in love with it. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us today for the Pure Athlete Podcast. To hear more, find us anywhere you stream podcasts, as well as on our website at www.pureathleteinc.com. See you next time.